this is Dr. Robin Axelrod. On my drive to work one morning, I thought, how could I promote unity between OT and OTA students? How could I foster communication and leadership skills and promote our amazing profession? Welcome to my OT Journey podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We are Esther and Marina, occupational therapy students at Long Island University in Brooklyn. We are excited to be here today with Emmy Vadness, a holistic occupational therapist specializing in health, wellness, and prevention. Emmy, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Okay, so we're going to start off with um, a couple of questions. So the first question that I'm going to ask you are, um, what was your experience throughout OT school? Uh, my experience was great in OT school. I went to St. Catherine University. Um, at the time, it was just a bachelor's program, but they practiced the master's program on us. We didn't find out till the end that, that uh, we basically have an equivalent to that, but I know it's, it's, it's all master's degree now um, and some doctorate, of course. But yeah, I had a great experience, wonderful professors and a very enriching learning environment. Okay, so you completed your master's in another school or the same school? Uh, nope, I chose not to continue on. Um, I had, I'm a, been a licensed OT since 1996. Uh, I double majored in psychology, and because I got so involved with holistic integrative health, formerly known as complementary alternative medicine, um, that was sort of my area of focus and has been for a number of years now, a couple decades. Okay, that sounds good. And what is it that led you to become an OT in your specialty? Uh, well, um, well, first of all, I became an OT because I love the mind-body, the mind-body-spirit connection, all the creativity and how we can encourage people to, you know, be as functionally independent in their lives as possible. As, as I've been an OT for a number of years, I also know that interdependence is very important too as well. But uh, basically, when I was a new occupational therapist, I the market was very saturated. I'm in uh, Minnesota in the Twin Cities, and so I wasn't able to get a job like in a true rehab center, um, but I ended up working in skilled nursing and transitional care units, which is fine. I love working with older adults. And um, However, I wasn't really able to do a lot of rehab. I was really doing end-of-life care, which also is an important part of occupational therapy, but as a new grad, I really wanted to be on the rehab end, and I really saw how much people were very debilitated, and I thought, well, you know, how about be on the preventative side of this? You know, maybe we can help people not have to have so many strokes and heart attacks and have amputations and so forth from diabetes or peripheral vascular disease and so forth. And so um, I also just sort of felt that I wanted to be on the preventative side, and I learned about what was, what's been known as alternative medicine, although we now know there's so much more research and efficacy on a lot of it, but I um, decided that I wanted to learn a little bit more about holistic health, and I quite frankly got burnt out as a new grad after about two years of working because I just um, didn't feel like I was making the impact the way I wanted to as an occupational therapist, and um, also because of the HMOs and mainstream healthcare a lot of occupational therapy got whittled down to just basic ADLs, and, um, and that didn't feel as holistic as I thought the profession was. So I started um, taking classes in Qigong energy healing and started working at a holistic health center, health and wellness center. The first one was open in the 1970s in St. Paul, Minnesota, and um, I started becoming the 
office manager and the administrator to the Qigong Energy Healing School, and excuse me, went to massage therapy school, became a reflexologist, and started my own practice doing that. And from there, I just continued to um, learn about intuitive development and meditation and nutrition, and just this whole world opened up to me. And I did have my own practice. Um, I did also work in some mainstream settings as an OT, bringing some of that in. And then I also worked at the Penny George Institute for Health and Healing, providing uh, integrative health. And so from there, it took me a few years to kind of figure out how I could bring that into occupational therapy practice. But around 2010, I figured out how to do that, and it just kind of, you know, took off from there. Wow, that's so impressive. Uh, I especially love that bit about the preventative because that's really everything. Yeah, it's definitely something we need to focus on more, but as, uh, as I'm sure you and probably many of the listeners know that there isn't currently a great way to uh, make money off of people staying well, but that's really the direction we need to go for because our healthcare system has primarily been sick care and we really need to get back to, to healthcare. And I do understand some people are going to have injuries and, you know, people do get sick and people do have um, just by the virtue of, you know, their life karma or, you know, just their life habits or whatever people's beliefs are around all of that, people are going to have certain conditions that do need therapy. Um, but there is a lot we can do to help people to live a more healthy lifestyle, for sure. Definitely. Okay, what do you think your unique skills or skills um, that helped you become successful as an OT? Well, that's a really, I think there's, um, well, thank you for believing in me and having unique skills. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I think that, you know, I think as occupational therapists, we're we're very creative people, and I think that that's something that has probably served me pretty well is that I think I've had to be kind of innovative in my career because I really was doing things that um, there wasn't really a path set forth for me, and now I'm helping, um, you know, open that for for other people and so forth. But one of the things that really comes to mind is um, I really listen to my intuition, uh, my own inner knowing, and that's really what has led me on this, and that's something I would encourage everybody to do is to, you know, listen to that part of yourself that, that is important. You know, if you feel that you, you know, want to serve a particular population but there isn't quite um, an opening yet, maybe it's something to explore and get educated on and, and do those sorts of things. And, and so that's something that's really served me is, is intuition, and that's something that I've developed early on when I was at that holistic health center, part of the Qigong training was meditation. And I also worked with a, an intuitive, a psychic medium, um, because I was having experiences that, um, you know, actually it's quite common for people to have um, experiences where they're able to, you know, know things or have dreams or hear, um, you know, get certain insider messages. And I just wanted to understand that more. And so that's something that I think is really helped me uh, taking this unconventional, what's now becoming more mainstream, right? Because yoga and meditation are really uh, very popular these days and all these apps with meditation and so forth are really popular. So, I mean, 20 years ago, this stuff was, was very, very new. And, um, and so I just kept listening to that call in within myself. Okay, that's, that's good. That's a good note to take upon throughout this process of OT. 
Yes, it is. And Emmy, can you tell us what are some of your specific natural and holistic healing practices that you do with your patients? Well, there are many. Um, there are many, many, <laughs> but I could probably offer a handful. Um, you know, first of all, I just want to say that having gone through occupational therapy school, I, I think that we learn so, such great approaches um, of addressing the mind-body-spirit, but in practice, because things get really fast-paced, we can't often do all those things. And so I think that the, the occupational therapy profession, in theory, and in, in the scope of practice, is quite holistic. Um, but when I'm talking about holistic, I'm also talking about what's formerly been known as alternative medicine. And so, you know, things like right. helping people with stress management is not really... Uh, new to occupational therapy, but I think some of the ways that we can do that that might fall under the umbrella of integrative health would be um, things like helping people with breath work, meditation, guided imagery, mindfulness, aromatherapy, energy healing, emotional freedom technique, uh, yoga, tai chi. I mean, the list is, you know, there's just, there's so many different forms of um, even body work, acupressure, craniosacral therapy, um, you know, various forms of massage or light touch, um, things of that nature, I think, can be really helpful for people. And, and I actually wrote a course for the American OT Association. It's OT with Complementary Health Approaches and Integrative Health. It's a webinar up on their website that will be up for another couple of years if anybody's interested and that goes, really gives an overview of how you can use integrative health and occupational therapy practice. So pretty much um, no matter what my clients are dealing with, if they're dealing with uh, mental health or if they're dealing, you know, mental or emotional or if they're dealing with spiritual or physical condition, um, you know, really helping people connect within to themselves and helping with that stress management piece because we know that the more people can lower stress and anxiety, a lot of times it can also lower symptoms of uh, physical pain, um, tension throughout the body, physical tension and so forth. And there's even more research getting into how it can help with um, heart rate variability and helping people with better moods and states and positive psychology and also being able to access their inner wisdom and intuition because, again, that's something that I think is um, that, you know, some people have you know, all of us have intuition, but some of us don't always trust it. And particularly on a healing journey or any, you know, I really do believe a lot of life is a personal, you know, development process, consciousness development, uh, as you know, development as well. And, and so being able to help a person connect in on those levels can help them, whether they're trying to stay well so that they can access their own inner knowing for how to stay well, and also for if they're recovering from some type of, you know, let's say they have cancer, I've worked with a lot of people to have them help them even like dialogue with their cancer or find out, you know, uh, what would help their cancer and things like that. Now, this is for certain people who are open to that. Not everybody's open to that. And some people have different beliefs. Um, but beliefs are really huge, too, getting back to that psychological piece, you know, even asking a client, do you feel you can get, do you believe you can get better? You know, right. what do you believe will help you get better? Some of those questions can be really helpful as well. Right, so those are some great things they do with patients. But is there any advice you can give for students who are just experiencing stress, anxiety, lack of energy, or just motivation throughout their day or week with their workload? Well, again, I think it comes back to that stress management piece, which is what the question certainly is about. And 
Um, you know, I was really fortunate when I was uh, in occupational therapy school, I had to take a FIAD as part of just my basic general. And I took a one-credit relaxation class. And all we did is once a week we went in, I think it was on a Wednesday for an hour, and we laid on these mats, and my teacher would either guide us in or play these recordings. Um, one of them was from Emmett Miller's Let Go of Stress, which is a great classic um, I guess you call it an album. I'm going to say a CD, but you can download that, I think, on iTunes. And, and basically, um, you know, just doing, doing uh, breath work or various forms of progressive, you know, relaxation. Or uh, I actually have a YouTube channel that has some free guided imageries and meditations on there. Obviously, don't listen to them while you're driving. But what I, what I found was that, I, you know, I was not unlike a lot of students, um, I was well, now it's a master's program, but at the time I was double majoring and probably working 20 to 30 hours a week, and I was overwhelmed. Um, and just doing that for one hour a week really helped me. And I now know that uh, the research shows that if we you know, do something like this for maybe up to 20 minutes three times a week or even you know, a little bit longer, four or five times a week, that it can actually help you know, relax the mind um, it can help us to get into those more positive states. I really found that I uh, went from feeling overwhelmed to, oh, I can do this. I feel great. I can totally cope with this. And it just really helped take that edge off. Um, you know, so I think for any student listening, it's just a matter of what kind of activity that's healthy could you participate in? You know, is there a, is there a yoga class you could do? Um, I know we're in the middle of... Um, have it dealing with COVID at the moment, so maybe some type of online. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of online offerings happening. Um, and also leisure activities. As OTs, I think that, um, you know, that's something that is often underutilized in, health, in practice, but which is one of the reasons I'm in my own private practice. I have a lot more freedom of how I can work with people, and really with, within, I think, what is the true scope of, of OT. Um, but again, we do need people in the mainstream settings and so forth as well. But finding... You know, giving yourself permission to maybe, you know, if you like to color, if you want to bake, you know, going for a walk, um, being out in nature. There's a lot of research of even just looking at green spaces or, you know, um, getting out and getting your feet in the ground and things like that can be really helpful. And relationships, you know, getting time with loved ones, friends or family, um, you know, just some of those things, listening to music, all those things can be really helpful. Right. Yeah, those all sound really great. And I'd also just, and I'd also just say that um, I know OT school is super intense. Uh, I remember being it was a very intense experience for me. I really enjoyed it, but it was very consuming. Um, but I think you know, just having those little outlets, you know, it, maybe even just minimally once a week, but maybe even finding something for ten minutes or a half hour a day. And this is something you know, some of the things that I'm talking about here. The more that you can bring this into your own life the more that you can then help your clients or your patients um, by integrating some of these things into your own life, you're going to embody them and understand how they affect your mind, body, and spirit, and then you'll be a much better practitioner when you're able to bring these approaches into your treatment plans. Yes, love that. Can you tell us a bit Thank about um, some mysticals or spirituals intuition that you use in your practice? Yeah, so um, again, I, you know, for those who are open to it, and most people who come to see me are, um, I'm a big fan of helping people. You know, certainly sometimes people need 
you know, a practitioner to show them the way or give them suggestions. But uh, I'm a big fan of helping people connect with their own inner knowing and, and so forth because I do believe that people really do have most, if not all, of the answers inside of them. Um, a lot of times, too, people can have limiting thoughts or beliefs or past wounds or emotions that be, can be keeping them uh, from moving forward. And so by helping them with, you know, getting into those more relaxation states of consciousness, um, getting into sort of that present moment, not thinking about the past or the future, they're able to access more of that inner knowing and find solutions and, you know, have new perspectives because that's really what happens, which is what I think a lot of people are going for in like prayer and meditation is to be able to have a new fresh perspective on things. You know, and that can happen, again, it, it doesn't always have to formally happen through like meditation or relaxation exercise. It can be as simple as going out and gardening or, you know, going for a walk. But being able to just shift, you know, our focus can really help a person in that way. I also use uh, intuition when I'm providing, um, you know, just I, as I work as an intuitive, um, I also can pick up on sometimes um, words, emotions, um, blockages in the energy and so forth or where the energy might, you know, getting insight into how it might help the person's energy flow because we know that subtle energy can assist the mind, body, spirit. Um, You know, not necessarily that we can just like shrink a tumor like that or anything, but we can certainly support the whole person's energy because that's really the blueprint for their being so they can be as healthy as possible. And so when I'm providing something like uh, Qigong energy healing. Sometimes I know um, practitioners, Reiki has gotten a lot more popular because it's something you can do really quickly over a weekend. Um, but we're, that's a way of using our inner knowing is to be able to, you know, and a lot of clinicians do that, but they just don't always feel comfortable mentioning that they do it because, you know, we think of like hard science as having verifiable facts. But a lot of, you know, even um, some, uh, you know, Einstein and all these inventors, um, a lot of these people, Nikola Tesla, they really talked about their intuition and they would get innovative ideas that way. So it's something that I think is underutilized um, and it really empowers the patient or the client in their own lives as well. Yes, for sure. I definitely agree with what you just said. Um, I think it's always the mind, body, spirit connection um, that we go about our day. I'm sorry, the sound, we have like a whole thunderstorm, so you might hear. Oh, that's okay. So, sorry for the background noise. Um. Okay, so you mentioned that, you know, when you were at the forefront, alternative medicine was still not popular, alternative healthcare, and that now it is more popular. But I still feel that many people view occupational therapy as more of a conventional form of healthcare. What would you say, how can we change that, or do you agree with that? Yeah, so, um, I'm sorry, I missed that last part. No, do you agree that that remains a prevalent attitude? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it's sort of interesting to think about what what is conventional, what is alternative, you know, conventional... I think would sort of typically mean that it's something that's recognized by insurance companies, it's billable, it's used in like mainstream hospitals and skilled nursing facilities and so forth. Um, so, I mean, I'm really proud of the OT profession for being a legitimate, you know, healthcare profession. I know that um, actually I think around the time I was graduating and became an OT, they were just a registered profession and now it's a licensed profession. 
And so I think that's really great that, you know, we're at the table and people recognize and, you know, even though a lot of people don't know what occupational therapy is and even some healthcare professionals don't and that's something that's really Yes, yes we definitely run into education. those kind of situations. Yeah, which is really, I think it's the name of the profession. Um, but at any rate, uh, yeah, I think that, um, I think that, you know, things like, uh, you know, people think of alternative well, I mean, technically the definition of alternative medicine would be something that quotes all out of mainstream healthcare that doesn't have efficacy-based research behind it. But what's happened over the last 20, 30 years is that, you know, things like meditation and yoga, even energy healing, I mean, all the, all the uh, integrated health approaches I included in that course for AOTA, I had to have science and research backing up all of those approaches. And so now we know that... Um, Again, they may not work 100% of the time. Well, they won't. They won't. They won't work 100% of the time for 100% of people. But they are statistically significant in a lot of cases. And so they're. It's something that you know. It's not just happening in OT. It's happening in all healthcare. Um, you know, a lot more. You know, physical therapists and uh, physicians and nurses. You know, are recognizing the benefits of aromatherapy or recommending that their client, you know, for example, Arlen Schmidt has done some great research in Colorado on how people who go through a regular course of rehab after a stroke and then they actually do another 12 weeks uh, in a community class of yoga, they actually get much more improvements. And even people who uh, maybe have had a stroke and have had limitations for 20 years, if they start taking yoga classes, they often can get um, more improvements. And it's not just physical, it's also the psychological, the emotional, and the spiritual. And so what's happening is basically that, you know, these, these types of approaches that have come from other parts of the world, we're recognizing and starting to see the value because we can see that people are improving in a lot of cases with these various approaches. Um, things like, you know, we can't do acupuncture as OTs, but we can do acupressure. And, you know, that's a rich history of several thousands of years old. And so um, these, are just things, these are just tools in our toolkit that we can bring into occupational therapy practice. You know, obviously somebody needs to have training in it um, and have a clean, clinical reason. And I also just want to mention to all listeners to read the OT with Complementary Health Approaches with Integrated Health Physician paper. Um, that's at AOTA's uh, website under official documents. And I'd also put it in the Holistic Occupational Therapy Facebook group. You're all welcome to join in the file section. And that outlines how you can use complementary and integrative health in occupational therapy practice um, so that, you know, you just understand, you know, what the state laws might be, um, you know, because various techniques have maybe different laws, and also that you're using an OT, you know, comprehensive OT evaluation plan of care when you're bringing these approaches into occupational therapy practice. So I don't know, does that answer your question? Yes, it does, and I'm definitely excited to read that. That's going to be my cool thing. So thanks yeah, for mentioning I mean, that. Know, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if, um, uh, you know, something I call, I, I call it a holistic occupational therapy just because uh, when I worked at the Penny Doris Institute, I worked alongside holistic nurse clinicians, and that's actually a recognized specialty and certification in the nursing profession, certified holistic nurse clinician, who, you know, practice integrative health. And I just thought, well, why don't we have this in occupational therapy practice? And so, um, you know, it's not a recognized special, special interest area by AOTA, but it's being recognized in general by a lot of 
OTs, um, just by virtue of what I'm seeing happen in social media and how many more OTs are interested in getting trained in these approaches and bringing them into their OT practices. It's just amazing, really. And maybe someday it won't be integrative health or it won't be holistic OT. It'll just be occupational therapy. It'll just be health care, um, which I'm fine with that, too. But I'm just trying to advocate for, because what's so great about integrative health, you know, getting back to that preventative piece, is that it can, it can be, a lot of these techniques can be used for recovery, rehab, but they can also be used for health, wellness, healthy lifestyle, and preventative care and prevention. So... That's the beauty of these approaches is they can really dovetail nicely into a whole, they can support a healthy lifestyle. And, I, and I'm also, you know, just to mention, I'm, I don't think that, you know, integrative health is, is um, 100% what a person needs. There's other things that people need. But I think it's been very underutilized in healthcare. But that's, that's why I've been advocating it for it so much is that it's um, a significant, these are significant approaches that can really enhance people's lives. Wow. Okay, Emma, can you talk um, can you talk about the mind-body-spirit connection? What are some approaches or activities that you practice in your clinic? Yeah, well, I mean, some would argue the mind-body-spirit not separate. <laughs> um, some would argue that, um, you know, they are separate. Um, but I definitely very much come from the approach that they're not separate. And that we know this too, there's something called a field of research and study called psychoneuroimmunology, which is how the mind affects the nervous system and the immune system. And we know this now, that stress can lower the immune system and make a person more susceptible to illness and disease. We know that if a person um, elicits regularly the relaxation response, this is out of the work by Dr. Herbenson, that a person is more likely to stay well and also they can even recover from um, various diseases, even including some heart diseases and cancers and so forth. If you want to check out research on that, check out the book, The Relaxation Revolution by Dr. Herbenson. And so, and also when we think about, um, you know, a person's consciousness, their thoughts, their beliefs, I mean, that just is everything. Um, Dr. Wayne Jonas wrote a great book, he was actually the first director of the Office of Alternative Medicine at the National Institutes of Health, which is now the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health. He wrote a great book called How Healing Works, and essentially um, he said that about it, you know, 80% of your health and wellness is up to you. Um, again, that dovetails with Dr. Benson's work around what's often referred to as the placebo response, which Dr. Benson calls it Remember Wellness. Dr. Wayne Jonas uh, refers to it as, I believe, as like a belief or expectation or meaning response. And that really dovetails nicely with occupational therapists. And so, so much of what we do is around meaning and purpose. And so, you know, when we think about meaning and purpose, that's also a definition for spirituality. Another definition is um, being able to connect with something greater than ourselves. But when we think about meaning and purpose, that is essentially sort of something greater than ourselves and that. You know, how can we give? How can we share? How can we help and serve others? And so, you know, that dovetails very much into spirituality. And, you know, you know, why do we get up every day? What is the reason to get out of bed? And so all of these things impact a person's life. And so when I'm working with somebody on my client intake, I ask them, you know, what gives you meaning and purpose in life? Because um, I want to know, you know, what matters to them? And what is their motivation? 
Um, how much are they able to interact with that meaning and purpose? Is it central to them? Is it something elusive to them? How can I support them in that process? I ask them about how much stress they experience. How do they cope, stress, relax? Because that helps me understand, um, just kind of gives me a fulcrum to begin with. And then, um, and then I ask them, you know, what, what are their intentions or goals or how can I help them? And then I ask, how will you know we've achieved this? And so the, those are just some, some very simple ways to kind of begin a client-centered treatment approach. And from there, I'm able to write my plan of care. And then it gives me an idea of what's happening for them. Is it manifesting more on a physical level, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually? And because I use a fair amount of meditation and relaxation techniques in my practice, uh, most people, when they get into a relaxation state, they often can connect to um, more peace, uh, sometimes more blissful states. They also sometimes connect more with their own um, spirituality, or their spirituality sort of begins to kind of develop that way. And I, because I ask also, you know, um, if they have any spiritual or religious practices, that also helps me understand where they're coming from in that regard. And so it just gives me an opportunity to, to figure out, you know, what area, where's the kind of doorway in to support them in that process. And so for me, you know, it's all connected. One supports the other. If we can help a person spiritually and that's, that's what they want to focus on and they also have physical issues, most of the time it's also going to help them either recover from that physical issue and help them with whatever physical things they need to do um, and or it might help them cope, you know, because that's also, you know, wellness can be, somebody can have a disease process, but wellness is also when somebody, um, it might be an absence of a disease, but can also be that a person is able to cope and that they feel well, even when they might have a disease, if that makes sense, for people who have chronic conditions. So, um, you know, I'll stop there. I could, I could talk for hours about this, but um, I don't know if that gives you some, some answer to your question. It definitely does. Uh, that was one of my questions I was really concerned about because with everything that's going on right now, it's really, it really helps to hear from you what kind of advice you will give us. Um, so I'll take that in consideration and hopefully it works for me because I'm in that state where I have to deal with stress and then I have to take care of myself and I feel like I'm going crazy at the same time. Um, mm. So that's one of my things, uh, keeping like my mind, body, spirit connected and finding ways to um, keep a balance, I could say that. Yeah, you know, and something else that um, I created the breathwork course, it's just a, a couple hour breathwork course, and if any of the students listening want to email me, I'd be happy to offer it to you at the reduced price. I think it, I would be happy to share it with you at, at a half price rate. Um, but essentially, you know, even just practicing some various breathwork techniques can really um, shift the physiology. And that really is a great example of the mind-body-spirit connection. And that's why a lot of meditations and even yoga and so forth begin with breathwork. And it's also something, it's actually the number one integrative health approach used is breathwork, according to the National Center for Complement and Integrative Health. And that, I think it's because it's something that we can so easily practice ourselves as, you know, students or clinicians and also something that we can easily bring into a treatment session. And you can help shift somebody's physiology and their mental state 
with just, um, you know, a few breaths in and out and even practicing it for, you know, maybe one to five minutes or more, or maybe moving into some other types of exercises. It's something that can be used at the beginning of a treatment session with a client. It might be the whole treatment session, or it might be something that you're using throughout um, helping them with their ADLs. You know, maybe they're doing an activity in the kitchen, and they might have uh, compromised breath through, like, you know, cardiopulmonary issue like COPD or something, they might not. They might have stress or anxiety or men- some type of mental health issue going on. And that keeping that breath going, we can really um, help a person to keep their energy levels um, up, help with activity tolerance, and help with coping and, um, you know, help them with not, um, you know, maybe even having an anxiety attack, you know, you're really less likely, I think it's almost impossible to have an anxiety attack if you're breathing and, and breathing in and out. Um, a lot of times when people get really stressed, they just keep breathing in and they, they forget to exhale. So by practicing those breath work exercises, um, you know, as its own form of like little exercise, you can get good at it. And then when you go into your ADL, then you can actually bring that in. And that's actually something you can bill for as a therapist is teaching people that as a self-care skill as well, like brushing your teeth. Yeah. Wow. So with all that said about the mind-body connection, do you have any specific advice to offer someone who wants to overcome a heartbreak and become stronger from it? Hmm. Well, um, my heart goes out to whomever and all the people suffering from heartbreaks. That's never fun to go through, but we all, we all experience that in life. Um, you know, my mind goes to that um, uh, I have several thoughts. You know, it would depend on the person, of course. You know, I, can't, I don't know specifically. It would have, I would be somebody I have to talk with. But, you know, it kind of generally I would think, again, finding activities that a person enjoys, um, again, thinking about those leisure activities, um, reaching out to social connections. And I also think that mindfulness, um, basically mindfulness is being able to just, com- being, it's really about self-love and self-compassion and, and unconditional love and unconditional acceptance of oneself. And so I would encourage that person, if they've never uh, done that before, is to maybe take a class in mindfulness, you know, get a teacher. I think You know, there's a lot of apps and and recordings and and so forth, but I think when you're doing something like that, it's really good to have some type of teacher guide you. And I think you can also concurrently, you know, listen to recordings. But um, basically, I would encourage the person to honor their feelings and emotions and allow themselves to move through it. But if we do that from a state of more compassion, um, bringing self-love, you know, to those wounds, that can that can help. There's probably, I think there's probably many other things that could help a person with that, but those are, that's what kind of just comes to the top of my head here. Right. Yeah, that's some good advice right there. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, what can you tell us about maintaining good nutrition habits since that's one of our um, main goals? Okay. Um, you're learning about that in school, nutrition? Uh, well, it's a general um, question because sometimes I notice myself lack with nutrition habits. I always eat, like, junk food or fast food, and then I see, like, uh, my energy level go down. So I think it's not only me being concerned about this, but other people. So I want to know what can you tell us about maintaining good nutrition habits? Sure. Well, um, 
I'll first just say that um, uh, I think most people know what they need to do to eat well. Um, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of truth in eating vegetables and, uh, and you know, trying to incorporate more of those plant-based types of nutrition and maybe looking up some recipes. I think that I'm, I happen to be married to a chef, actually, um, and so I love cooking, and we've been creative together over the years with all of that. So I think that maybe looking up recipes can be really inspiring, like maybe looking up, like if there's a favorite like if you know there's a vegetable you like and you haven't been incorporating it much in your diet, maybe just type in, um, you know, healthy salad recipes or something like that or fun, um, healthy uh, dressings for salads. Um, I worked with a nutritionist years ago who, you know, and everybody's different, so this isn't general advice. You know, this is, I mean, this is general advice. This is not as specific for anybody who has any particular health conditions. But, you know, she talked about, adding in one salad a day. And so that's something I try to incorporate in my life is try to just eat one leafy green salad a day because that can really help the body. Um, And I think it's also trying to limit processed foods. Again, I think a lot of people know this. Um, So anything that comes in the bag, you know, that's prepackaged. And you also have to look, even if you're shopping at, quote, healthier stores and co-ops and so forth, um, looking for things that, you know, sugar, you know, it's amazing even though, you know, we often shop at very, you know, nice stores. You can find crackers and things like that that have sugar in them. So you have to be really careful looking for that. Um, and, you know, trying to get those more greens and vegetables and, uh, yes, also fruits and so forth. Um, and, again, I think trying to make it enjoyable, you know, trying to experiment with, with other recipes and, and allowing yourself to, you know, again, I think a lot of OTs are creative, so you know, finding um, new new recipes to enjoy. I did interview an OT who's also a, um, uh, she has a degree in nutrition, and her name is Tina Gilberti, and I have a podcast, Healing Connections Podcast. That's at holisticot.org under podcast. It's also on Apple Podcasts called Healing Connections. And I interviewed her about um, how to eat well, I think, for your family, for yourself and your family. And so that's about an hour long, and I would encourage anybody to check that out because I thought that was a really, you know, I, there's more that can be said, obviously. I don't, I don't want to take up too much of, of our time. I think you probably just want some general ideas right now. But um, that comes to mind. And then also I would encourage people, just the last couple of comments, is to try to eat organic food as much as possible. I think our earth, you know, there's so many chemicals that have been dumped onto the earth and trying to find ways to support um, companies that are more conscious, health conscious for our earth and for our own bodies. And if you have space to maybe consider growing some vegetables, growing a little garden. If you don't have the space, you can also grow in pots if you don't have like a yard or something like that um, to kind of, I have an organic garden in my property here. And, and so, you know, that's something that I'm really grateful for. And that that kind of just really makes the whole, you know, cycle of life and the seasons and, and eating just a more pleasurable, holistic experience. That's great. Um, Thank you for all that advice. I'll definitely um, do that on my free time. Yeah, and also pay attention to how your body feels when you eat certain foods. You know, like if you wake up with an upset stomach, I mean, there could be other things going on that might need to be checked out by a doctor, of course, but just listen to your body and notice, like, and think about what did I eat yesterday? What did I eat last night? 
Um, and obviously limiting sugar, you know, is really important. And, um, and yeah, and I think that that, you know, that can go away. And if anybody's really wanting support, it might be helpful to work with a nutritionist or somebody who has that kind of background. And I think as OTs, um, I do actually refer my clients to nutritionists at certain times just because, you know, that's not something as, you know, we have to be careful with our OT license where that line is. You know, we can give general advice around healthy meal planning, but when you get into very specifics or people have a particular health condition, we have to be really careful and work on the, with the team of the physician, the nurse practitioner, and or dietitian, or dietitian um, uh, practitioner or the uh, nutritionist so that you know, we can help support that person with whatever unique conditions they're facing. Okay. And what advice would you have for students who are interested in your specialty? How can they find their niche in, in this field? Well, I think uh, my, I mean, generally, I would just say follow whatever your passion or your bliss is. You know, that's Joseph Campbell. Um, if you have an interest in something, if you're interested and you know that you're interested in complementary integrative health, um, I would definitely encourage you to go to holisticot.org. I've been writing there for several years, blogging, there's research, just, you know, ha just cruise around the website and you'll see a lot of amazing information. Most people find it very, a very helpful resource. Um, but I would also encourage you, um, also I would start with the frequently asked question page there. Um, and just listen to if there's any particular approaches, you know, like yoga um, or meditation or, you know, whatever, aromatherapy, whatever you're interested in, um, those are things that you can start incorporating into your life as a student. And then once you get out of OT school, because my understanding is a lot of schools are not teaching this at the moment, which is really sad, but I know there's a lot to be taught in OT schools, but I wish students had at least an entry-level competency in integrative health before they came out. But at any rate, you know, you can start cont taking continuing ed classes when you're out of school. Exactly. I was just and, thinking that. Um, you can and use then those, just you know. enjoy, yeah, and then just enjoy, you know, the continuation of, of development because there is so much to know in occupational therapy practice um, in general, but I think some of these basic things we talked about today you can bring into your life and then um, take those continuing ed classes when you're ready. Amazing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Um, is there anything else you would like us, um, you would like to leave um, us knowing about? Is there any um, advice or additional information that you would like us to know? Well, thank you for that question. I think we've covered a lot. I would just say that if there's anything that you all feel is important, you know, as you get out into the field, that you would like to see happen or different, you know, we are healthcare. Um, we tend to think that healthcare, we're, you know, we're practitioners in healthcare, but we are actually part of the system, all of us. And so I think that um, if there's something that you, um, you know, really enjoy and advocate for, you know, join that organization. If there's something that you um, see could be different, I would encourage you all to listen to that calling because that's the zeitgeist that we need in healthcare to be able to provide the best services for people in our communities, which are really our neighbors. They're, they're our neighbors, they're our friends, our family members, um, and so forth. All right, thank you. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much, Emmy, for joining us here on the OT Podcast Journey, a student-run podcast for aspiring occupational therapists and occupational therapy assistants. 
If you would like to learn more about Emmy, you can visit her at emmyvadnais.com. That's E-M-M-Y-V-A-D-N-A-I-S.com and holisticot.org. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C-O-T.org. Thank, Thank you, you so for much, having Emmy. me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. This was really great and informative. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you to the student contributors. If you liked it, please subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. You can also follow us on social media, on Facebook at MyOTJourney and on Instagram at MyOTJourneyPodcast. Thanks for listening. Go OT!